Greetings, and thank you for checking out this sermon from Kingdom Life Community Church in Morrison, Illinois. If you'd like more information about our church, go to kingdomlife.global. And now, here is the sermon from our pastor, Steve Harmon. Okay, open your Bibles, if you will, uh, to Luke. Let me find that here. And we will be looking in around chapter... Uh, nine. Okay, so we're talking about kingdom, right? And uh, just quick review: the the idea of the kingdom is simply this. The idea of the kingdom is is uh, or uh, is a mindset that we have, filters that we look through, right? We talked about that, and so um, uh, mindsets or worldviews. And so a mindset or a worldview is how you perceive everything that's happening around in the world around you, right? And so you want to make sure that those things that are happening in, in the world around you, if you're a believer, that you're processing them through a kingdom mindset and not like we've talked about before, which was, you know, a political mindset. Uh, there's no, there's no biz- reason for a church or individuals to be processing things through the political mindset of the world because the political mindset of the world is charging you with anger and is making you all these diff- it's just all kinds of chaos right all kinds of chaos in the church and so because of that um, we want to make sure we have a kingdom mindset not a political mindset and it's, it's very hard to do because when we have a political mindset what we do if somebody has a different political mindset than us and they're, we're all in the same church then we begin to build walls between that's, it's a place where the enemy can bring division so you won't experience the unity of the body and so listen that means that this guy over here has to stop seeing things through a Republican mindset and this person over here has to stop seeing things through a Democratic mindset or Tea Party mindset or Libertarian mindset or any kind of political mindset. You've got to stop looking and filtering your life through the political mindset because you should be filtering it through the kingdom mindset. And if your political party is more important than the kingdom and the church you go to, then guess what? You have an idol in your life. That's your idol. And you've already created an altar in your heart of which to sacrifice to that idol. And what you're sacrificing is relationships and unity in the body. Because by golly, we're right. You know, you get that, your face gets distorted. You're so angry because by God, Jesus was a Republican. Jesus was a Reagan man, right? And the other side is, you know, Jesus and FDR, they're just like this, right? Come on, man. You don't, that's, that's, that's taking a human thing and fashioning a God after that. That's an idol. You got to kick that to the curb. Now, we are going to get to what is important to the kingdom in just about another week or so. And, and, and when we clap on those things, that's what we're going to be unified as a church. But right now, what we have to do is we have to destroy the other mindsets in our life that we filter in through the world. And so we talked about political. Listen, we also talked about religion. Remember what we said about religion, right? Religion is, on, is, 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 is a political mindset that people see things through. And so, you know, with, in the religion world, you know, 
in the kingdom world, it's with God, all things are possible. In the religion world, with God, all things are practical. And so when I'm talking about prayer and I'm looking, I'm, I, I, the enemy's arguing with you, you've got to be practical about this. That's religion. That takes the power out of our prayer because I'm, I'm being practical with it. But if I live by kingdom, which is with God, all things are possible. And then I'm saying, hey, listen, I believe that you guys believe the same thing as I do ab- about God. And with God, all things are possible. So I don't think it's hard for us to get together and pray for 21 days uh, as believers and catch the fire of what God is wanting to pour out on us and pray for an hour every day over the things that we're all going to be praying for. Right? Okay. Uh, so uh, religion, you know, uh, the kingdom is uh, leave all to follow him. Religion is Jesus wants you to be safe and comfortable. Kingdom, set your mind on things above and not on things of the earth. Religion, get all you can, can all you get, and sit on the can. Right? Religion is valuing your 401k or your retirement over those who are suffering. Listen, people, when Jesus comes back, <laughs> and he will, your political party or your religious attitude will not save you. Not one bit. None of it. It is only kingdom people who've experienced this, the kingdom mindset that comes from their king that are going to be okay. You don't, want to be, you don't want to be politically motivated and you don't want to be religiously motivated when the king comes back. You want to be relationally motivated because you've experienced him and you've got his mindset, what he thinks, instead of what I think. Okay, so, <clears throat> here we go. Look, 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 look. Okay, so, um, the kingdom is heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils, devils freely receive, freely give, religion, uh, Take all the medication you can. Avoid the contagious. Have good funerals. Medicate the crazy. You earned what you got. Now make a buck with it. This is review, by the way. This is a few weeks ago. But that's the difference between religion and relationship. Kingdom-minded relationship with God. And the church... Forgive me for this language, but it's truth. We, we look at Israel in the Old Testament and, and, and in our Bible studies and our Sunday schools and we say, man, how could they? Why we play the whore as a church with these other things. We run to the political or we run to the, the religious or uh, the, the last one was the selfishness of, of us Everything is filtered through what makes me happy, what makes me comfortable, and not really caring about the needs of other people, right? That's the selfishness aspect. And so we, we feed ourselves and we gorge ourselves at the buffet of all these things, of all these different mindsets. And we, we condemn like Israel of the Old Testament for what they did. And so we live with this massive plank in our eye while we're trying to do eye surgery on other people. And, and the church has done it. She has. She, she's, she's guilty of it. So if she's guilty of it, then who is it that Jesus is coming back for that's going to be without spot or without wrinkle? 
Because my Bible tells me that he's coming back for a church. He's coming back for a bride who's going to be beautiful, who's going to be everything, catch this, everything that he, the king, has ever wanted. Then who is going? All right. All right. So, we've recognized a few mindsets, and I'm, I'm not saying I've got every single one. Maybe you've figured out some stuff with you that's a little different. I, I don't know. Maybe it's, maybe it's whatever. I don't, I don't even want to go there. You figure it out. But here's what we have to do as, as a believing church, is we have to destroy the mindsets in our lives that are not kingdom. And we have to focus strictly, wholly, nothing else upon what the kingdom of God is. Now listen, because the kingdom of God is not out there. The kingdom of God is here. And for far too long, she's had, the kingdom's had too small of a voice in our lives, which is why the church is anemic because its people are anemic because they haven't been listening or cherishing the voice of their king that is asking us to be a part of the kingdom. Okay? So then what does it mean? Jesus gave some, some things for us to focus on about changing our mindset because the disciples had this, right? Like, no way are you going to the cross, right? No way. Is it, they, they, could, they loved what he did. They're like, man, this stuff about healing people is awesome, right? Leprosy, gone, right? Leprosy, gone. Blind, can now see. Deaf can now hear. The lame are now walking. Paralyzed. People who are, who are demonized with the, that the devil has total control on are like being set free by a word. And Jesus is not like, you know, in his deliverance ministry, it's not like, I'm telling you, devil, get out. He's not doing any of that kind of stuff. You know, Jesus does not is not full of anxiety. He does not need medication. He doesn't have to lather himself up to do deliverance. He is the king. Everybody, everything, even those who hate him, do what he says. And so when he has a confrontation with the demonic, it's not Jesus that's flailing. It's them that are flailing. Have you come to destroy us before the appointed time? Ah! Woo! Ah! It's not the Jesus or the church people that should be doing that. Because you carry the presence of the king when you come into a confrontation with the demonic, the diabolical, or anything like that, or anything that's not of the king. It's them that should be scared. They should be saying of you, have you come to, to, to judge us before the appointed time? Well, you know, ah. But because the church is anemic, she's reacting in fear to what the enemy is saying. Oh, I'm going to take your church. I'm going to take your kids. I'm going to take this. I'm going to take that. And you're going to sit there and watch. See, he's saying all those different kinds of things. Those of us who are young children are stewing, are like, oh, gosh. Oh, man. He's coming after my kids. He's uh, all these different kinds of things. And you, you, you got to stop. Because kingdom people don't react like that. You act like you got no power. Because that's what he's telling you. 
You are, he's, he's telling you that the king has left you. He's telling you that the king don't care. He's telling you all these different kinds of things. But the reality of it is you stick by the word of God and the spirit of God that is within you. It's not you who have to worry. It's them. When the enemy says I'm, he's coming after one of your kids, that's all right. I taught him to fight. We're coming after those who've been enslaved. Right? You come after one of mine, I'm going to hold revival services. I'm going after those. I, I'm, not, I'm not just going after, I'm going after those who even society has cast out. Because it's going to be a bigger testimony of what Christ can do in a community. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring Christ to your doorstep, devil. Uh, you ain't even going to want to come to mine. I'm going to bring Jesus to those who are on the threshold of hell. And I'm going to see what Jesus does when he snatches them from you. And then not only does he snatch them, but he's going to prolong their life so they can be a testimony to all their other friends who are lost. See, that's what kingdom-minded people do. Not out of pride, but out of confidence of who their king is and confidence of what their king has called them to do. You ain't got to run from anybody. Don't be prideful. But be confident in what God has called you to do. Baby, you win. You win this battle for yourself, first and foremost. You have won. It's over for him. He is just a bully with no real power over God's kingdom people. And when we as kingdom people understand that, you kick the bully to the side and you rescue those who've been oppressed by him. He's just a bully. That's why, the, that's why the Bible describes him as he's like a roaring lion. He is not a lion, but he acts like a roaring lion. Why? So he can deceive you into thinking he's tough, but he's got no teeth. He's got no teeth. He doesn't have any claws anymore. He's been cast down from his position of authority in the world. Did you know that? That means he's been cast down from his position of authority in your life. Act like it. You're not, you ha, you're right on with your word. Nikki comes up to me and she's like, I got a song request. I'm like, what? She's like, we need to plead that there is freedom song. I'm like, she's like, can we do that next week? And I'm like, yeah, how's it go? <laughs> So she sings a little bit. Oh, I remember that song. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there it's freedom. Yeah, I haven't done that in a while. I'm, I'm going to brag on you a little bit. Because she says, we've got so many people around here who are not living in freedom. And they should be. And I'm like, ooh, that was Jesus right there. She was talking about this church, by the way. She wasn't talking about the church down the road. She's talking about us. So you can either be offended by that or you can understand that God is, is trying to break through in your life and respond to it and be excited. Yeah. All right. So you're not striving to be free. You are free. Because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And if, if you've got the Spirit of the Lord in you, then you are free. If we have the Spirit of the Lord in this church, then we are free. No matter what form of government there is. The government cannot, 
oppress the freedom that the Lord has given you. This is why people who are truly free can go into the worst prisons of the world like Paul and Silas and begin singing hymns because all that the enemy has done is give them a new clientele of which to preach the gospel to. They know that their freedom that they've given from God cannot be extinguished by any form of tyrannical government anywhere. See, that's easy to talk about. But unless you've been in connection with the king, that's the fear in which we're living in. Oh, what's, what are they, who's going to take what away from me? Who, who can take Jesus away from you? Because Paul said, I'm convinced that neither height nor depth, blah, 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 can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Nothing. So Jesus doesn't abandon you no matter where you go. All right, now. So here are some things for us to, to focus on. We're, we're talking about what it means to be truly kingdom-minded, which you could add like what it means to be a disciple or, or, or whatever, stuff like that. However it works for you, kingdom-minded is what we're looking at. This is what he says. Listen, um, if anyone wants to follow after me, right, you let him deny himself. And follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. Whatever loses his life because of me will save it. For what does it benefit someone if he gains the whole world yet loses or forfeits his life? Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his glory and the Father and the holy angels. I tell you that there are some standing who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. Do you believe that? All right, moving on. So we have to, we have to understand that, that being kingdom-minded means that we've, we've made a choice because they're not getting it, and I'm going to prove that to you. They're, they're trying to take everything that they have now and then go into the kingdom with it. And he's like, listen, you've got to deny yourself. When, you, when you're talking about coming to the kingdom, you're not bringing anything with you. You can't love the things of this world and love God equally. It doesn't work. It's either one or the other, right? Because friendship with the world is enmity or, or war with God. So you, you can't, there's no straddling of the fence. You, you're not a peacemaker between the, between the Lord and the world or the devil, You've, you've, you've made a decision. And he says the, what it looks like for those who are kingdom-minded is that they're going to take up their cross, they're going to deny themselves, and they're going to follow me, which means you're leaving the world behind. Take the world, but give me Jesus. Remember that old hymn? Yeah. You can have the world, but give me Jesus. Okay. This is what else. Um... Coming over here into, again, in Luke chapter 9, look what he says. He says, they're having this argument about who is the greatest in verse uh, 45 of chapter 9. So an argument is started among them about who is the greatest of them. But Jesus, knowing their inner thoughts, took a, took a little child. 
he had uh, stand next to him. He told him, whoever welcomes this little child in my name welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me welcomes him who sent me. For whoever is least among you, this one is great. So to be kingdom mind, this is a kingdom mindset, this is kingdom things he's teaching them. He's like, listen, you can't come into the kingdom thinking about how great you're going to be. You can't come into the kingdom thinking about rewards and thinking about, you know, all these things you're going to, the prideful stuff that comes out of the world. Listen, I've been guilty of that. I think we all have. You know, at some point, wanting to come to the kingdom, like wondering, like, well, yeah, what's God going to do for us, right? You know, I'm, am I going to be, ex- I'm exalted. Surely I'm going to be exalted because, you know, we come in like we have this type of honor that we can come and sit down at the head of the wedding feast. When in reality, the, the wedding feast guy is going to come up and say, hey, listen, there's somebody of greater honor than you. Can you go sit back there? Right? But we come into the kingdom sometimes with that same type of pride and arrogance, like, you know, God chose me because I got something to give. Right? I got skills. Uh-uh. Maybe you do, but they, they may not be purified. Okay, so we, he says, and then he's like, listen, Here's these children, right? He wraps them up and he's like, listen, you got to, whoever receives this little one receives me and then they receive my father. And if you want to be great, then you've got to be the least, which means, which means when you come into the kingdom, you're saying words like this, if it's true, you're saying, God, I don't care if nobody knows my name. I don't want, I don't want, you know, accolades, you know, I don't want people to think, oh, wow, here's just, what's just the worst thing? It should be the worst thing for pastors is when people come up, you hear, oh, that's Steve's church. So pastors like to hear that because, because it, 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 it fills them with a, a type of, of pride that the community knows who they are. They must be doing something right. It's, it's a lure by the devil. Oh, that's Steve's church or that's Wayne's church or that's, you know, whoever that's Machen's church. That's, no, no. That's Jesus' church. This church is, is Jesus' church. This ain't Steve's church. It was never Chris's church. No, no. And, and, and Chris would tell you that. It was never his church. This is, this is, for me, this is not my church. This is, the church. This, is a, this is Christ's church. This church belongs to him. You belong to him. You don't belong to me he has called me to, to do what I do, but, but this is for him. And so when you're coming into the kingdom, you can't come in with like all these things of what I'm going to do and I'm so specialist and blah, blah, blah. That's the world. The kingdom, you've got to, what does it mean to be the least? Man, it means you, you're doing everything you possibly can do for the success of what Jesus wants to see happen through this place. Do you get that? I mean, you, you can't. You, 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 can't, you can't go to church. You can't come to church, you know. And I know there's, there's things going on. And please take this. I'm not saying everybody there's there's reasons sometimes sickness and stuff like that where people can't make it but listen there's also there's also people that are out there that do not value church and so they'll come once in a month or once every two months and stuff like that and you know and 
you, you can't live like that and expect to have any type of, of power in your life to overcome anything because you're not connected to anything. When it comes to the kingdom and it comes to God's people, he has set up a church, which is not the building. You, God forbid, but if, if, if this church is, the structure is ever destroyed, the church still lives. If the structure falls and nobody comes back together, it was probably God doing it because <laughs> it wasn't a church. But if the structure falls and it's a nice day out and we decide, well, it's all a bunch of rubble over there. Let's go sit on the grass. All of us will bring our lawn chairs, but we're still going to have church because the church is about the connectedness and the love that we share. We just come here because this is a convenient place. But this, these walls are not the church. We are the church. And so if you are not connected, but you're, you're, you're you know, it's just like, oh, you know, it's important. I'll come once every once in a while or blah, blah, blah. Oh, really? You got to wonder if you're invested in the kingdom at all. And I'm, I'm, I'm not saying this to be mean. I'm telling you because... Because this, isn't not, this is not a joke. And the times of which we are living in, people who don't value the kingdom are going to get swept up of, in a wave and turn away. We, we talk about revival, and yes, and that's great, but the Bible also prophesies of a great turning away from the faith. Do you know that? And my fear is, is, is that although there's, there's revival happening, why is it? It may not be one and then the other. It may be happening at the same time to where God is touching people, but people who have played like they've gone to church for so long and this, that, and the other, and then all of a sudden, you know, they've, they come every once in a while. They're not invested in the community of believers. They're not, they just come. They're just, they're just, they're tipping God with their time. Like, well, I'll just come to church. My dad did blah, blah, blah. Let me tell you something. You're not invested in community. You're not invested into the church that Jesus died for. You're invested in four walls. You're invested in tradition or religion or you're invested in, in yourself, but you're not invested in the kingdom and you're not invested in the community of believers. And that should cause great turmoil in people's lives if, if that's what's happening. See, kingdom-minded people man, whenever the doors are open I'm going to be here. Why? Because wherever two or three are gathered, he's in them. This is, this is like practice for heaven. Do you get it? Wherever two or three are gathered, he'd promise that he would be in the midst of that. So how can it be that we not value where he says he's going to show up? We don't have to run to Bethel. We don't have to run to anywhere else. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's good to go out there and listen, blah, blah, blah. But we don't have to chase God out there. We can experience everything of who he is once we understand that he's here. And that when I'm here with you and you're here with me, he's here with us. And dynamic, powerful things can and will happen if we break down everything else and take him at his word and focus on kingdom stuff. You excited? So he's like, but you have to have your mindset changed. 
Later on, he's like, hey, master, John replies, uh, we saw one driving out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him because he doesn't follow us. And Jesus is like, don't stop him. Because whoever is not against you is for you. How does that apply to us today? In the religion mindset, what that does is we have many different denominations in the world. Lots of them. Presbyterians, Methodists, Baptists, Nazarenes, uh, Wesleyan. You have all these different types of denominations that are out there. Right? Do you know that you're not separated from them? We're not separated from another church just because it's from a particular denomination. If they're a Bible-believing church, and, okay, I understand what some of you may want to say, but that's religious, so get that thought out of your mind. Okay, you're not separated from other Bible-believing churches. If they're not against you, they're for you. So that means there is value in these other churches. You can't say they have no value because they don't believe exactly the way you do. Well, they baptize children and we sprinkle with water. We don't associate because children aren't old enough to be able to make that determination. And so we are better because we are more following the Bible, and so we'll just dedicate them. Yes. You don't sound like that, but that's the arrogance that we have when we speak like that. And we devalue associating with people because of stupid stuff that doesn't really matter when it comes to salvation. As long as you, you know what I'm saying? It's like, oh, well, um... You know, they, they don't believe exactly the way we do about communion. You know, it has, to be, it has to be the priest that lays it on my tongue. Or it's not real. You know, hogwash that stuff, man. You know, and, you know, I talk about, you know, that's what I said. But we have our own stuff that we hold on to. That there's an air of we think we're better than them because we think we do it right. And we have the corner in the market on biblical theology and the Holy Spirit. I'll just let that sit there for a minute. And he's saying, listen, man, if people are getting free and the gospel is being preached, who cares if they're traveling with us? If the gospels are getting preached and people are getting healed, who cares if they're not specifically in this church? All right. We're going to end here. I'm going to close the book on this in just a second. Here you go. You ready? As they were traveling on the road in verse 57, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus told them, Yeah, foxes have dens, birds in the sky have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Then he said to another, Follow me. What is he really saying in that statement? That statement has always kind of bothered me. Foxes have dens. Birds of the air have nests. The Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Are you feeling sorry for yourself? I don't think so. You're a king. 
Uh, how does that work? What he's really saying is like, listen, man, you can't take the cares of this world into the kingdom. You're leaving all that stuff behind. You're embracing a walk. You're embracing uh, uh, the kingdom where it's like, what was important to you before the kingdom is no longer important to you now. Now you get to leave everything. Which, which is what being a Christian is about, biblically. Do you get it? It's about, it's about leaving everything that was important to you in the world, but is not important in the kingdom, and giving God all of you. kind of feel that maybe we should all just kind of get in a huddle and sing kubaya and make ourselves feel better right now. <laughs> Can I just get a hug? Then another one, then he said to another, follow me. Lord, he said, listen, this was an invitation. Jesus sends an invitation, says, follow me. And here's what happens. Lord, he said, First, let me go bury my father. You know that sounds good. And practically speaking, if I take that practically, I, you would take that to say, oh, well, man, listen, we have responsibility to our parents who are getting older, and, you know, we should be taking care of them, and, you know, and blah, 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 and this, that, and the other. And certainly I'm doing that for my father. And, you know, we should blah, blah, blah. But that's not what this is saying. What this guy was saying was, hey, because his father wasn't sick what he's saying is is hey listen i got an inheritance from my father can i wait until he dies get my inheritance and then come follow you that's the point behind this statement jesus issued an invitation that said follow me that invitation wasn't for tomorrow it wasn't for next week and it wasn't for after your father dies so you can get your inheritance. The invitation was for right now. Follow me. And, and here's, here's the choice that this guy and everybody has when he extends that offer of whether you're gonna... Nothing else matters. I'm going after you. Or you're gonna say, that's a great opportunity. And I'm gonna do that as soon as I'm finished over here. And as soon as you say that, you turn your back to the Savior who gave you the invitation of something that's eternal and are pouring all of yourself into something that's eventually going to burn any way and doesn't matter to the kingdom because you are not promised tomorrow. The invitation is for today. Tomorrow is a gift if you get it. And if you live tomorrow, will the invitation still be there? Sure, but you're not promised tomorrow. You've only got right now. So today, that's why the scripture says today is the day of salvation. Not tomorrow, today. If you hear him, respond. Okay. But he told him, let the dead bury their own dead. But you go and spread the news of the kingdom of God. That's the invitation. Listen, everything that your father represents, now hear my heart on this, which is of the world, is dead. 
matters not to the kingdom. Let the dead bury the dead. But you come to the greater calling on your life. Another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go and say goodbye to those in my house. But Jesus says, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom. You know why we don't preach these things very often in the church? Or we preach them practically? It's because they're stinging to us. They, it's, because the first thing you do when you hear things like this, the first thing I do is what immediately comes to me is my own life. It's nothing about you. It's about my own life. And immediately what begins to happen is I look at my own life and I ask myself a question that's a very tough question to ask and even a harder question to answer because you have to be truthful. And that is, has have I put my hand to the plow and am I looking forward or am I looking back? Because I can't, if I'm standing like this, neither one gets the fullness of me. And what he's saying, if you put your hand to the plow, don't look back for what the world has to offer. Keep focused on what God is, is, is wanting you to do now and keep focused on the kingdom. And people, this is what it means to be kingdom-minded. This type of thinking eviscerates stupid arguments in the church. Doesn't matter. Who cares what color your carpet is and who cares what color your chairs are? Who cares what color the walls are? Who cares about any of that type of garbage? People who are kingdom-minded will gather together in burned-out shacks just so they can experience the body together. You've got the underground church in China that doesn't have Bibles. They have one, one page of Scripture, and they cling to it as it's the only thing in their life that ever matters. One page of scripture. I've got 19 Bibles between my house and my office. Now, I don't feel convicted about that because I like them and I'll use them. <laughs> but what I'm saying is, is they're, they're pouring their, their, their heart over one page of scripture and they're risking all to get together. Why? Because whatever scripture page they have, they believe it with their whole Heart, and they're living it. They're wholehearted. Today, gosh, I don't. I feel like all I ever do is stand up here and, and, and beat you up, and I, I, I don't want that to be the case, really. I, but, but the season demands it. And I'm, I'm not hitting you as much as I'm hitting me. You know those words? When you're about to discipline your child, and you said, this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you. And they didn't believe you because they're the ones getting the swat, right? <laughs> you probably don't believe me, but I'm, I'm being measured by this as well, too. And, and, the reason it is, and the reason it is is so that, is that we can have a true and genuine faith not an American faith, not a faith that's practical, but a faith like Jesus and the apostles talk about in his word that is just as relevant today as it was 2,000 years ago and before. 
And so we want to get back to the, that, that type of faith. We want the Lord to chip off all this other garbage that we've acquired or that has clung to us, that is trying to speak and is trying to make our, whatever. We want that stuff gone so that we can be valuable jewels in his crown. That we can be the bride that's without spot or wrinkle. We can be the bride that he died for, that he's coming back for that he loves with his whole heart. Do you remember the night before you said, I do? How you were like, this is it. This is forever. I'm gonna love that person with everything. And they're like, I'm going to love you with everything. And then you woke up the next morning and had bad breath. And you're like, whoa. <laughs> Where'd my bride go, right? <laughs> Where'd that handsome husband guy go, right? But from the time you said I do, you walked out your vows. And some, some were hard and some may have not have been as successful. I get that. Been there. Same thing with Jesus, which is why he likens this to a wedding and you as bride. See, he's saying, he's saying to you, I do. And he's waiting for your response that says, I will. I will love you with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, and with all my strength, and not because it's a religious rule or commandment because it's the passion of my heart. It's the passion of my heart. It's the deepest longing of everything within me to love you. That's what I want. That's what I give you. And that's what he pours his spirit out on. Thanks for joining with us today. And if that message touched your heart in some way, please let us know by emailing us at info.kingdomlife@aol.com. You can also find us and reach out to us on Facebook. And we hope that you will join us again for another podcast from Kingdom Life Community Church.